0: You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network.
1: It's Scout Fantasy Sports.
2: All right, it's Dr. Roto. Get out the insurance cards, get out the copay. The office is open, my friends. Adam Ronis, still uh, checking out your tout roster, or what are we on to next? What's, that, what's the next draft for you? Is it next week uh, in the city? Yeah, I have several
1: drafts next week. Uh, I guess the next one is a week from today. Auction League draft in New York City, uh, including a lot of people in the industry. Uh, Rick Wolf, Glenn Colton are in it. Tim Heady, uh Ian Kahn. Uh, Sussman. Florio Stamfel. Uh, Joe, Ian Kahn's
2: in my, in my head-to-head league. He's a He's very good now.
1: player. He's a very good player. He mm-hmm. won this league last year. We were sitting at the auction table, and we... When we were battling for a lot of players, he would comment. He's like, oh, I like that buy. We actually fought over Jose Martinez. Who would have thought? So he went into. I went into that league thinking, all right, I got Jose Martinez. Who's going to be on him? He thought the same thing. So I had some money left, and I was waiting for him. Jose Martinez comes up. So <laughs> you know when you can tell when someone is really in on the player, which I guess in an auction – I guess you, you could know tell it. Yet. You could, right. Yeah, you
2: could tell it. But it's much easier
1: end. to tell an auction than a draft. So it's like going back and forth. I forgot if he threw him out or I did, and it was like two, three, four, five, six. I'm like, oh my god, this guy's not going to stop. He goes seven. I go, oh, I guess I got to stop here. So he got him at seven. Obviously, it turned out to be a good buy, uh, and he had a he had a huge lead for most of the year. I made a trade that allowed me to work my way into the money. I I knew I wasn't going to finish first, but I finished third. Uh, but, yeah, he's a very good player. Nando Defino's in this. Jen Piacenti. I don't know if you met her. So it's a pretty good group. It's fun. Uh, this is my third year in the league. So that's a 15-team auction a week from today. I have an NFBC auction that weekend as well. Uh, the GST League, uh, that's the 19th. That's a 15-team league with a few high-stakes players in it. So, yeah, it's a, next week's going to be a busy draft season.
2: Yeah, so it all comes down to like yeah, I mean that's that is a pretty busy week, dude. Now will you do any preparations this week for your auction? Will you just treat it as a normal thing?
1: Uh yeah, no, I will start. I'll start to put a, a game plan together of what I want to do. I'm kinda more of a feel the room type of thing and see what the hey values now. are. So right. uh, you know, I'm not and maybe for one auction I'll sit there and kind of figure out, okay, here's what I wanna spend and these are the players that we're targeting. So, uh, But I generally like to kind of go in and see what happens in the room.
2: Well, I have to prepare for my auction because it's a points league, which normally I don't do. But because head-to-head is a points, so, like, I have, to, I have to think about things differently. But I don't normally, like, I guess I, I have friends who sit there and they put down the numbers exactly how much they think a guy should go for. But I'm a lot like you, man. I just feel the, feel the room out. You know, and I think at auction, you really can tell when a guy wants a player. Maybe he sits up in his chair he looks the other way. You know, people have tells and usually can, you know when a guy's going to bid an extra dollar.
1: Yeah, and in this room, uh, the one on Thursday, I guess some people know who I like either from hearing me on the radio or reading my stuff because I remember, I think it was last year or two years ago, somebody came up and they're like, oh, I know Adam likes him, see what he's going to go for. And <laughs> I just, look, if they go at a ridiculous price, I'm just not paying for him, you know? So that happened in my home league last year, too. People knew that I loved Blake Trinid. The price Went so high now. It is a keeper league, so there's inflation. But I think to ended up going for like 25, and I'm like, "Geez, man!" So I had to back out. I said, "I don't have the money. I'm not gonna pay that much for a closer." I mean, I did get him in that Gotham League that we are doing Thursday. I did not get him in the NFBC auction last year, and he went for like 15, which was is a reasonable price. Maybe should have went up the extra dollar, but yeah, you just people are gonna know sometimes uh, who you like. And you just have to hope that you can get it at the right price. If not, well, oh well, there's always someone else just like dating.
2: Well, I've told you I try to do Jedi mind tricks at drafts like that, where I'll bid on guys I like, I'll bid on guys I don't like, I'll bid a player here, I'll bid a player there, just because I have to get, people do, you know, when you're out there in the industry like we are, we're on the radio, we're on, we're, our, our stuff is online, you know, people can say, hey, Dr. Roto likes this guy, so sometimes I have to fake it, dude, in a draft, and sometimes I will bid on players I have no interest in just so somebody thinks I do, so they'll bid on them.
1: Well, you have to because it, you just have to mix things up to try and get people away from trying to figure you out. It's kind of like poker, too, and you just have to be very careful not to give any tells away. Obviously, there are going to be some players that you know uh, that certain guys are on, and you could tell just the way they bid, their the way their voices, the inflection, their mannerisms, especially when you do an auction in person. It's much more difficult to tell online. Unless you, keep, <laughs> right. unless you keep seeing that person bidding it up or, you know, it happens. There's always a bidding war between two people as the money is going down. And you're like, oh, boy, this guy's serious. And uh, you just hope that the auction software doesn't malfunction. Because it's happened to me actually twice the last two years. I remember two years ago, I was saving my money. I'm like, all right, I'm getting Carlos Carrasco. I have the money. I'm going to pay for him. My internet or the draft room froze. And when I got back in the draft room, I saw a comment Hurry up, Adam left. Let's bid on as many players as we can. <laughs> and I was so mad, and I'm the commissioner now, Wait, they didn't I stop do? the league? No. Well, I'm the commissioner. Oh. So, oh. I, so I'm the one who can stop it, and it went out, and I'm like, "How is that fair for me?" You got a backup
2: commissioner. You got to get well, a guy. No, but I have but another but guy people, who But how
1: are people supposed to know you're out of the room?
2: And I'm going to tell you. So here's what we do in my league. So I, we have, a, I get a, a free conference call set up. And we're on the conference call. So if there's something that happens, people can just scream out in the conference call, hey, stop the draft. And then then I have a backup plan that it's I have two other guys in my league who have commissioner access, so they just press the button if I can't.
1: Problem is people can be like, oh, my internet was out like when they lost on a player. You know what I mean? It's just too much that goes into it. So I just let it go. I'm like, ah, what am I going to do? Like It was unfortunate timing, but... Uh, it happens. So, did you remember out. the Roto
2: Experts league that I rolled back the draft and I still got grief over it like two years later?
1: Yeah, for an auction. See, I like Chuckle yeah, Rob other, was angry at me for years. In towers, the other night, someone made a pick. Five or six picks went by. Then the person said something. Oh, I didn't want him, and they actually allowed him to change his pick. I'm sorry, you can't do that, man. Five well, do or you remember, six
2: picks went off the board. Do you remember the fight I had with Mayo? Now, Mayo and oh. I are really good friends. So we're in this the, this league with Tommy G. It's like the crossover league for DFS and seasonal people. Okay. So Mayo makes a pick, and then I pick right after. And he says he doesn't want that guy, the guy he picks. And I said, you could have anybody you want, but you can't get the guy I just took. He goes, I want Jordan Reed, which was the guy I just took. And they went back and they gave it to him. I'm like, look, once I make my pick, you yeah, can't give him that guy.
1: You can't do that, man. That was terrible. Can't. Because... And I believe Pat in this case, but what if he saw you take him and said, oh, wow, you know, what? that's a better pick? Now, I'm not saying he it did that. Did. I, you know, Oh, I, it's I,
2: Mayo. He's schemey. No, no, I'm joking. Well, no. But, no, I'm but the,
1: the point is the whole principle. Because you, what are you going to do that left and right throughout the draft?
2: You know, and yeah, I, guess- no, no. I I was like you could have any player in all of football but you can't have Jordan Reed. And they gave it to him anyway. I really yeah. at that point I wanted to just throw my hands up and and quit but I just blast them on the radio, I blast them on Twitter. I just started blasting cuz I was angry and I was not angry at Pat as much as I was angry at the commissioner. You know, right. look you dude, can't let dude let you got to do the right thing.
1: Yeah, you can't yeah. let that happen. So like last year I think it in my draft so I was so hiring on Brandon Belt and it's an OBP league. And Brandon Belt wound up going for like four bucks, like the kind of room froze and it just went for four bucks. And then a bunch of people were like, I couldn't bid. I couldn't bid. And they're like, yeah, I know Adam couldn't bid. He wouldn't have stopped it for I'm Like, you're right. I couldn't bid. So I just said, all right, we'll roll this pick back and put him back on the board. And I wound up getting him, which was good for a little bit. But, you know, in that instance where several people said they couldn't bid, obviously That's different. it makes sense. That's different. And 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 we rolled it back. But you really can't do that once a pick is made especially in a snake draft like I agree with you it should have been okay we'll give you someone else but you cannot take Jordan Reed because Doc already took him off the board that's how it right, it's, it's done.
2: like in the NFL right if a team doesn't make a pick and the next guy drops a puts a pick up there and they call out that name you can't get that player it's done so, right? because you
1: you were probably so anxious and ready to go you're like oh yes he made a pick boom that's boom that's and you, right and you made the pick so right. like I don't see how you should be penalized for that
2: so I want to talk to you about something. It's not really. And I wish I could related. have
1: criticized you in this and be against it. Uh, I would love to go against <laughs> Which, you, but I got to be honest. You know, I just like I couldn't believe in tout the other night. Like five picks were off the board. Oh, I That's made a mistake terrible. and I joined a pick. And I'm like, who's really the commissioner in that?
2: Who's the commissioner? Uh,
1: I don't know who the commissioner is. I think Todd Zola ran it, but I don't know if he's technically the commissioner. Um, I had. Him is, he, on is he your too. SWAT? Is he your? He's SWAT? my SWAT. Yeah.
2: Okay. So he technically is – well, he's not the commissioner. The SWAT guy does the moves. But then, like last year, I had a problem with Perry, who was my SWAT guy. He went to cut somebody on my team, and I had to go to Peter, and Peter fixed it.
1: Okay. See, I don't know how it works in a job. I mean, look, I guess in the end, nobody picked that player, and if everyone's fine with it, okay. But I just think once, like, five picks roll by, that's it. Like, you know? Because now everybody can be like – Oh wow! You know what? Hmm. I don't like this pick. Yeah, by the way, I made a mistake. Like, come on, man! Like, where's the precedence for that? You know, rules are rules for a reason.
2: No, I mean, look, I have no problem if the pick, the next pick hasn't been made, or sometimes in an auction league, or even in an online league, if I lose connectivity, right? I could, I lost connectivity. I couldn't connect. I wanted a certain player. You know, that's different. But, and, and, but, and it happened but, to me
1: twice the last two years as commissioner, and like there's nothing I can do. I mean, you know, people are never going to give me the benefit of the doubt. No, try, try my sure. way,
2: Adam. Try my way with the conference call and having somebody else with commissioner powers in your league. Or That's what we just, do. I'll it say, works.
1: hey, look, I've lost connection the last two years. I'm gonna if something happens, I'm gonna text this person, and they'll verify that it went right. down. And you know, look, because the truth if I'm is, out of the room, no one can stop it.
2: We're all on the conference call. Now, people don't necessarily talk on the conference call, but it's there for this exact reason, because if there's a problem, I can stop the draft at that second. Now, here's my rule. If you're not on the conference call, I don't hear you. But if you're on the conference call, which is free, by the way, you know, then th- there's no problem. Just say, hey, Doc, you know, I, I didn't do this pick. Can I roll it back? Boom. I can stop the draft. Right.
1: No, it makes sense.
2: So I didn't, I meant to tell you this today. So we're having a big problem in one of my dynasty football leagues. So we're, we're doing all these new rules for next year. It's March, by the way. And I'm in baseball mode, and they're talking about football rules. People are crazy, by the way. Well, some people only play football. Oh, That's why. So they, they,
1: they focus on it all year round. They think nothing else
2: exists. Yeah. I mean, look, I lo- I, nobody loves football more than me, Ronis, but not right now. Right now, i got to concentrate on my drafts coming up. But the point being is they want to have I, – I, I'm almost going to quit another league, dude, because they have a rule right now where you can trade during the playoffs, Teams can trade during the playoffs. No, how is there man. no trade no, deadline? No,
1: no, no, no. I said, you no. cannot do that. That is absurd, man.
2: Absurd. So now here's the new rule. Leave it as it is where you could trade in the playoffs. By the way, I won the league last year and I, I wrote to everybody. I said, can we not have a moratorium on trades? And people are like, no, it's not in the rules. I'm like, dude, how about play it fair? So then the second rule they come up with is all the teams in the playoffs can't make a trade, but other teams can. And then the third rule now is nobody can make trades after a certain, like, week 11 or 12. And I wrote the guy, I wrote the new commissioner. I said, look, if there's trading in the playoffs, I'm out. Just put me out of the league. How can that happen? So you're going to say that a team that is in the semifinals
1: can trade with a garbage team? Yes. I mean, that's so dumb. That, that is complete. Look, we know keeper leagues, the dynasty leagues, lopsided trades happen. We've gone over this numerous times and you know that going in. But for this to occur during the playoffs is terrible. absolutely embarrassing. Like baseball for my league, it's usually August 1st. You know right. what I mean? Make your trades 2 months. There's enough trades that are going on that obviously the top teams is going to get better. Fine. It's part of it. It's part of the game. But in football, I mean in the playoffs, I mean that can
2: completely change the complexion of a league. I mean that and can some, decide the some- championship. And somebody you know well, let's just say he's a programmer of another station that you know well, would made a trade last year, like week 14. I wrote him, like, what are you doing? He's like, well, it was a fair trade. to go, dude, you know better. There should be no... I mean, this could affect the outcome of the league. Uh, look, I, I think I, I'm i going to pull on an, an inner Gronk bonus. I won last year. I may just quit the league. Because, honestly, you know my rule. I don't like the rules. I don't play in a league.
1: Yeah, I would be really pissed off if that happened. If you're, you know... Facing a team in the semifinals, you're like, okay, you know, it'll be pretty even match. But I think I get the edge. And then all of a sudden he goes out and gets a (laughs) a stuck player. Like, (laughs) wait a second. What? Like, how? I mean, that's just not fair, man. I would even – if I was in a position where I got that player – to put me potentially over the top, I would feel bad. And that's generally, like, come on, this is not right. This is not how you do it. You have to trade deadline for a reason. You, in every other sport, they do the same thing. I
2: mean, Let, in real life. Let's talk about that. I want to talk about that for a second. What happens when a guy in your league, and this can be baseball, basketball, football, when a guy makes an egregious trade with another player, another team in the league, and the guy goes, he offered it to me. I just accepted. And you're like, dude, how could you look yourself in the mirror after you're making that trade?
1: I mean, it depends what the trade is. Were you talking keeper league or just Just
2: in general, you know, when you just when a guy makes a bad, bad deal that just hurts everybody and people like have no conscience, like sometimes nice people just do crazy things in fantasy leagues, dude.
1: Uh, Look, I think with trades, you know, I hate the veto system because obviously if a guy makes a trade, he thinks it's better for his team for whatever the reason is. We all might not see it, but we've seen a lot of trades that happen and then, if you go back a year later, you're like, you know what? It wasn't as bad as we thought. So I think it kind of depends on the trade because a lot of times they do not pan out the way we think. And especially in baseball, as I've mentioned many times, it's about the category. So you can trade like Chris Davis for Malik Smith, and it looks absurd, but if you're first in power, first in RBIs, and you could pick up five points in steals, how are you to argue that trade? I mean, isolated, if we just put it out for vote, everyone's going, oh, Chris Davis easy. But that Malik Smith... Might be more valuable to that team trying to win a championship. So it really comes down to team context and what they need.
2: I want to go back to uh, the Ian Conn story and and the auction draft for a second. Do you think, like, let's say there's a guy in a league that you respect. Let's just say Ian, for example, or Colton or somebody. And they're bidding on on a player. That you really didn't like. Does it make you take another look no. at that player?
1: I mean, I'm not in the draft if I feel a certain way. I'm no, at the th-
2: auction. At the auction. Right. I'm, so saying, like a, I'm at the yeah.
1: auction. I've made my decision. I've done months of prep and research, so um, I'm not going to bid on the player. Maybe I'll say, okay, maybe I'll look and see, look that player up and go, what are they seeing? Why are they hiring him? But it's not going to make me bid a dollar, extra dollar on the guy. If I'm out, I already made my decision. I have to live with it. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. And I'll just say, eh, you know, hat tip to them. But it's not going to make me go up uh, a dollar or, or two dollars just because it's someone It doesn't does get well. you
2: interested. It, it, it doesn't get you interested like, oh, you know, if I see this guy, this guy won the league last year and he's bidding on, you know, uh, Wade Miley, maybe I should get no, in on that.
1: No, because I, I obviously spent months preparing and just like, he could be wrong, just like I'm. I'm going to be wrong too. I'm not going to be right all the time, so he could be
2: wrong. I guess that's true. All right, Boston Red Sox uh, preview when we return right after this.
0: DailyRoto.com.
2: So they called this company they heard on the radio called The Tax Doctor. And The Tax Doctor worked with Uncle Sam's people.
1: I think they're called the IRS.
0: Game time decisions. Portugal's Europe, but it's basically it's very sort of South American, right? right? So they have like you know in Brazil and Argentina, there's a lot of those sort of like really big sort of like statues of Christ and stuff like that. You know, Jesus is outstretched. I was sitting at a bar and a guy was telling me about how uh, he swears to God the statue moved. Yes, the arms were extended <laughs> in, in celebration. Weekdays, 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific, only on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network.
2: All right, we're back for Scout Fantasy Sports. Dr. Roto here with Adam Ronis. And I want you to swing for the fences this daily baseball season, this daily fantasy baseball season with DailyRoto.com. And if you're playing MLB, DFS on DraftKings or FanDuel, daily Roto will help you hit your first home run. As the 2019 MLB Daily Roto Premium Package is now live. Lineup alerts and weather updates, they've got you covered. Fantasy projections, they've got you covered. Lineup optimizers to compete with pros, oh yes, they have you covered there too. Save 10% on winning MLB DFS advice with an early bird special using the promo code FNTSY. That's the 2019 MLB Daily Roto Premium Package at DailyRoto.com. Use the promo code FNTSY and get your 10% early bird discount today all right adam we haven't been i haven't been, do, been so faithful at these I, we got to do a better job that's my fault so let's take a look at the boston red sox let's do a little team preview here um going to the red sox mess on saturday i'm looking forward to that at catcher the the red sox have a bunch of guys uh, christian vasquez sandy leone blake Swihart. uh nobody there that i'm interested in but swyhart has had some Rumors of like position and eligibility where he's going to play all over the place. Are you looking at any of these guys in mixed leagues at all?
1: No, I'll keep an eye on Swihart. I mean, in the draft champions leagues with 50 rounds, I'll take an eye. Uh, no, I might take a flyer on him late uh, as a third catcher just in case he gets the playing time. Uh, Vasquez obviously doesn't do much with his bat. So, you know, this is one of those situations where you'd hope something would evolve because it is a good lineup, but uh, not targets. It's if you're stuck with them, it's like, oh boy. There's not much left. All right, I guess I'll take him. At least he's on the Red Sox. (laughs) Right,
2: exactly. All right, at first base. I mean, this is a perfect platoon here. Mitch Moreland will play against righties. Steve Pierce will play against lefties. Uh, I have no interest in either of these guys unless I'm in a daily moves league, Adam, or certainly in in DFS a night when Steve Pierce could be batting, you know, second or third or fourth against a lefty. I might have interest, but otherwise, not really.
1: Yeah, I would have to be a very deep league. I mean, Moreland's on the better side of the platoon, and he has a little pop, but outside of that, you know, nothing spectacular. He's not going to steal bases, won't hit for an eye average. You know, he'll should be in a good spot in the order a lot of days, but just uh, not enough at bats for a consistent player.
2: All right, Dustin Pedroia is uh, actually he's going to play today. I think he's in
1: the lineup. Yeah, he actually scored a run in the first inning.
2: Oh, good for him. Uh, I don't know. I just worry about this guy. I, there's no speed anymore. The power is dissipating. Maybe the average is there. I'd much rather take my shot on Eduardo Nunes real late in a draft than spend any any early pick on Dustin Pedroya. Yeah,
1: and you don't have to spend an early pick. I mean, he'll go in the last couple of rounds. uh I think he was taken in my Great Fantasy Baseball Invitational. I don't remember offhand if he went in towel, but it's just someone I don't want to take. There's just no upside there. It's like you're clinging to name value. The chances, yeah, he did go in towel. or was round 29. Um, uh, oh, no, the Great Fantasy Baseball Invitational, he went around twenty nine. 29. Uh, you know, I understand why someone might say, hey, you know what, let me see if he does anything. But I'd rather just take someone that has a higher ceiling in that spot. Uh, he's not going to run much anymore you know 35 36 years old can he stay on the field he's always been a good hitter and i can't imagine that he hits near the top of the order either so definitely rooting for him i like him he's a tough gritty player but i just don't see how you can count on him to make it through the course of a season and second base middle infield is pretty deep this year there's a lot of options so he's not on the radar for me
2: there are a lot of options all right let's get to their shortstop who I just really like Xander Bogarts. I do. I like him. I watch him every spring when I go down, and he just looks bigger, stronger, faster. And I think he's a pretty—I mean, he's probably, what, going in, like, round four? That's about right, isn't it? Yeah, it's a
1: good price for him. Uh, again, shortstop is a deep position, but uh, I was in a mock recently. like on the. Uh, I think I had the second pick, and on the 4-5 turn, I took Bogarts at one of the picks. Don't have him in any regular leagues yet, but just very solid across the board. He's in a good lineup. He's going to give you a, a little pop. I think there might even be some more power in that back. Good average. He's going to steal some bases. Can get you you know, 10 to 13 stolen bases. Good counting stats. So, yeah, very good player. Definitely think he's a, a solid pick in round four of a 15-team league.
2: All right, I think the interesting guy here is Rafael Devers to me because this guy is going to be a sensational player. He's very young. I wouldn't call him the most in-shape guy I've ever seen, but there's a lot of power there. I think he's going to grow into a real good player. I just sense that I never tend to draft him because he goes maybe just a hint earlier than I'm willing to take him, but that doesn't mean I don't like him.
1: Yeah, for me, he hasn't landed on any teams yet. I just think it's probably there are some – Third baseman in that area that I just like a little bit more, but I definitely see improvement from him this year. I mean, he had 21 homers last year, only 121 games. Average was a little bit low, so that's the concern. He even chipped in five stolen bases, so not a source of speed, but, hey, five to seven stolen bases is fine, uh, and maybe he moves up in the order a little bit too. So not a target of mine, but no problem with him. I wouldn't be surprised if he had a, a very good season. People have to remember he's only 22 years old.
2: All right, the best part of the Red Sox is clearly their outfield. Um, Obviously, Mookie Betts, the number two overall player in fantasy baseball. There's nothing he can't do. And he's a fabulous athlete. The guy does it great. He's good at bowling. He's good at everything. Andrew Benatendiz is obviously a good second, third-round pick. He's going to be at the top of that order. He's got some speed, some pop. And then a guy that I think gets overlooked at him, I think Jackie Bradley Jr., is a lot better than people think he is. I mean, he's still only 28 years old. He's got double-digit power, double-digit speed. He's got to work on that average a little bit, but his defense is so good that he's going to get at bats because there's no way the Red Sox are going to take him out of the lineup.
1: Yeah, I definitely think there is potential upside in this bat. Uh, I haven't landed him in any drafts, but he's absolutely on my radar. I think Maybe, maybe I did. I, I might have taken him in a scout 44, but he stole 17 bases last year. Uh, He's kind of been inconsistent up until this point. We see hot streaks where he's really playing well. Others where he's an easy out, perform well in the postseason. Uh, But I still think there might be a little bit more here from him. And, you know, to get him as a fourth, fifth outfielder, which is certainly possible. We saw his hard hit rate jump up. He had more line drives last year. So I definitely think there's a little bit more here. And you always uh, are willing to invest in a uh, Red Sox player because of
2: their lineup. Absolutely. And then finally, we JD, uh, J.D. Martinez is such a good hitter. I mean, this team, Betts, Bogarts, Benatendi, Martinez. I mean, this is fierce, dude. This is as fierce a lineup as, as you can find in the American League.
1: Yeah, it is very good, and especially the outfield. You know, you got two guys going in the first round of drafts. Benatendi sometimes goes late second, early third. Uh, so those three atop the lineup, you know, you expect uh, big numbers from them.
2: All right, I think the Red Sox are playing with fire, Adam, and I think it's their bullpen. Don't tell me that you feel good about Ryan Brazier and Matt Barnes. Brazier is injured. Barnes right now is a closer. You've got Heath Hembry, You've got Tyler Thornburg, who used to be good 100 years ago with the Brewers. Man, if if there was ever a team crying out for Craig Kimbrell, it's this team.
1: Yeah, it doesn't seem like they're going to pay him the money. Uh, You know, again, bullpens are very tricky because – a lot of times we look at them and say, yeah, this stinks. And then all of a sudden, like two arms come out of nowhere to surprise. So, you know, Barnes certainly got a lot of strikeouts last year. It has to work on the walks. You just can't have a closer that walks as many guys as he does. Uh, he certainly looks like he's in position to get the opportunity. Ryan Brigier is still a little bit behind. They think he'll be ready for the start of the season. But the way it's shaping up now, Barnes is probably the guy to open the season as the closer. But, you know, what happens if he goes out there? And blows a save in the first, second game of the year. You know, this is a team that might pull the plug on him really quickly. He's got to throw more first pitch strikes. I mean, 55.9% first pitch strike rate last year. It's not going to get it done as a closer. You know, you fall behind in the count, groove in a fastball, hit or sit on it 2 0, and all of a sudden the ball's over the fence and it's a tie game. So there are definitely some question marks here. Barnes is the guy that I see go first. Of the guys in drafts right now, but I would take uh, Ryan Brazier in the last couple rounds if he's sitting out there just in case.
2: Now, I will say in the Red Sox defense, the easiest thing to find for me during the season is a closer. Maybe Seattle parts with Hunter Strickland uh maybe detroit parts with shane green i know these guys suck but maybe baltimore parts with michael Givens. you know they're, they're not the greatest closers but they have experience closing would you expect the red sox to fill this with somebody outside the organization at some point
1: yeah i definitely see them making moves if they go into the season with this group I uh, they get some point during the season uh, especially as you get closer to the trade deadline because you saw a lot of teams near the bottom sign these relievers and you're like, what are they doing? And it's because they're looking to trade them at some point and get some uh, picks or minor leaguers. So they will definitely do what they can, I think, to upgrade the bullpen because they expect to be a contender in the AL East.
2: Now, you may, you may not agree with me. I am a little softer on the Red Sox starting rotation than than most people. First, let us I'll break down Chris Sale. I don't know if... I, this, if the Red Sox assume that they're going to play through the end of October, this guy only threw 158 innings last year. He's always on the DL for one or two stints a year. He throws incredibly hard, but the uh, the velocity was down at some points last year. I just think that they have to preserve him. He is a sensational pitcher, but man, I don't know whether we're going to see 190 innings again from him. Uh, to say he's always on the DL is wrong. Uh, last yeah, year was the first ridiculous. time. In- it's wrong oh, but he, had he, two, always, he always misses oh, dude, he always misses a few starts. That's not okay, true. Many, I, I watch many, him since college, dude. I've watched him
1: he's literally 5 minutes from he's my He's not he always, always on the DL. It. You know how many years people have been saying Chris Sale will never last the guy through 214 and a third, 226 and a 2 thirds 208 and 2 thirds There's not many
2: pitches you can say that but about he always baseball. but he always goes out with like a re- an arm rest. It's never a big stint for like a big surgery. It's pitching. It's like Doc. How grip. many
1: pitchers pitch yeah. the whole year? How many guys give you 35 starts? I'm just saying
2: that he gets like two or three breaks during the season. That's all.
1: Every pitcher does. Clayton Kershaw, what has he done in three of the last four years? Steven, every pitcher. It's rare that guys go deep anymore. With that said, I'm just saying what you said is inaccurate. He's not on the DL every year.
2: When I'm saying DL, I'm saying in this case, it's not necessarily for an injury. It's for a breather. It's for an arm breather. And like if you're in a head-to-head league and you don't have Chris Sale for two weeks, it could be a problem. You could say that about every pitcher, though. He had, two.
1: again, look at the innings and the starts over the last few years. No, the innings the the last couple of years have been
2: very good. Outside of last year, the year or two before, that were very good, admittedly. Yeah, people have been saying, you know how how long,
1: since he came up, people have been saying Chris Sale will never last with his motion, and all he's done is go out and pitch. Now, for this year, there's questions because people are taking him late first round. I don't feel comfortable. Now, if he is able to pitch 170 with the ratios he gave you last year, You'll take it. The problem is, if you are in a head-to-head league, you don't know when he's going to be out. And I'm just not convinced that he's fully healthy. But, I mean, the numbers last year were filthy. I mean, you can make a case he's the best pitcher in baseball when he's on the mound. But-
2: right. So, so let me ask you, let's go back to what you just said. Would you draft him in a roto league but not in a head-to-head?
1: No, nah, I wouldn't take him. I just think the price is too high. And, if you know, again, if I'm wrong, okay, whoever takes him. But, I mean, his numbers were sick last year. He had a 0.86 whip, a 38.4% strikeout rate. I mean, <laughs> the numbers are ridiculous. If you, if you get 170 innings of that, I mean, he's going to be worth it. He struck out 308 two years ago.
2: No, he is fil- he is the filthiest pitcher in baseball when he's on. He is. I mean that, that honestly, I don't think there's just, I think he's better than Scherzer when he's on. He's un-hit-able. He is unhittable. He is because Scherzer gives up home runs. Yeah. Sale doesn't give up anything. I mean literally nothing. He is so fantastic of a pitcher. But I think I just worry and I go back to the, this guy because the Red Sox play through October. And this guy's got to last from April through October. And so, I mean, I, I, I can't even imagine him getting 190 innings.
1: Yeah, it seems like it's going to be difficult. He had the diminished velocity down the stretch last year. Uh, he was able to get it done uh, for their World Series run. But uh, there definitely is uh, some health questions for him. Uh, and for me, he's just a little risky there at the late first round. Like I just don't feel comfortable. Like when you make a first round selection, you have to feel confident and comfortable. And I don't feel that way with Chris sale this year.
2: I don't feel great about David price. I know others do guy had a 25 home runs in 176 innings last year. It's a, it's a large amount. I think he's coming off of a, an amazing run. with world series championship. I'm very happy for him, but I just feel like, is this a little post-World Series depression here where maybe it's just not, – he's not as sharp this year?
1: Uh, he's not someone that I've landed on. I'm not opposed to it. He's not a guy that I crossed off my list. I think the problem is that people just look at him and, you know, one of those old, boring veterans. But he's been very productive the last two years, even with the scare that he had. Uh, you know, he still struck out more than a batter per nine. He still had a three-five-eight ERA, which is certainly fine, especially pitching in the American League East. He had a very good WHIP, so uh, I'm fine with him. Not a target of mine, but if he falls far, far enough, uh, I'm willing to take him. I don't, I don't think he's done, and I think he knows how to pitch, even with a slightly diminished fastball.
2: Speaking of boring guys, I think Rick Porcello is a boring guy, but he's a pretty decent pitcher. I mean, he's had a good, pitches on a good team. Uh, With a great offense. Look, maybe he has an ERA of 4.2, 4.3, but he could win you 15 games, Adam.
1: Yeah, this is a guy that you're counting on for innings uh, because he's been pretty durable uh, most of his career, and he's pitched 200 plus innings two of the last three years, came close last year. Uh, You know, the ERA has been over four, though, two years in a row. Uh, But I think it's the, the innings that you're really getting him for on a team. That will give him run support. And he did reduce that whip. But that's another thing you got to look at is the whip. And I don't think people do enough. He had a 1.18 whip last year. So even with a slightly higher ERA, you know, he should win games on this team unless they completely flop. He won 17 games last year. So he's not a bad pitcher. Not someone that just kind of winds up on my team. But I also think that if you take some risk with pitching early on, I think he's kind of one of those safe guys where you kind of know what you're getting. So for me, he kind of depends on the way you build your team, whether he fits in or not.
2: I think the, most two, the, the, the two most interesting guys for me on this roster are Nathan Ivaldi and Eduardo Rodriguez. I really like them. I really like Ivaldi uh, when he pitches, when he's healthy. He's terrific. And Eduardo Rodriguez, I think, is just getting better and better.
1: Yeah, I like Rodriguez. I've taken him in some drafts. The key for him is trying to stay healthy and on the mound. He's still very young. Uh, He was very good last year when he did pitch, you know, elevated that strikeout rate. And it's just a matter of him kind of getting deeper into games, you know, 26.4% strikeout rate last year. Uh, The knee has been an issue for him, but seems like he's healthy now. Uh, He's a little bit more expensive than I hoped in drafts. I think there are some people that are on to him, but he doesn't give up a lot of hard contact. And I think there's definitely some upside for him. And well, How do you feel
2: about him in a in a points league with, him, with these guys? Does, he, does Rodriguez scare you because of the lack of innings?
1: Uh, a little bit. I don't know. I'm kind of more optimistic that maybe he could stay healthy. But, you know, the track record shows that, you know, he's yet to pitch 150 innings in a season in the big league. So, I might uh, push him down just a little bit. Uh, Eovaldo, you got to worry about innings as well. I mean, he was great last year. Uh, integral in their run. We've heard about Iovaldi for years, and we've kind of been waiting, and we just see, okay, it's all potential. He throws hard, but he kind of changed his pitch mix last year. It worked out very well. You know, only 111 innings plus the postseason. So when I drafted a man I'm expecting 140, 150. If he can give me what he did last year with similar ratios because the guy throws 97, but he relied less on the fastball, incorporated a cutter, and a split finger that really, really helped him. And, you know, that's one thing when you see these pitchers turn it around, a lot of times it's the change in pitch mix. And uh, he got more swinging strikes, and he's on a good team. So uh, I do like him, you know, 15th, 16th round. I think that's a good shot to take uh, a flyer on him there.
2: Yeah, I mean, you've got him as, what, your fifth starter? I-, I love him as a fifth starter, fifth, sixth starter. I On I- that kind of team, guy could win 12 games and have, uh, you know, 150 strikeouts.
1: Yeah, also a-, a good whip for him, too, 1.14 whip last year. So... Yeah, I think there's, a, there's some more ability in Evalvi. All right,
2: we're going to take a little break. We're going to come back. We'll talk more fantasy baseball. I'm Dr. Roto. He's Adam Ronas for Scout Fantasy Sports. And we'll be back right after this.
0: If you've heard of WeatherTech Floor Liners, you probably know that for your vehicle's floor, nothing protects better. But what about protection for the rest of your car or truck? I'm David McNeil to mud flaps and car covers, the one place you need to go is WeatherTech.com. So if you are familiar with our floor liners, just imagine how well the rest of our products will work for you. Learn more about our full line of automotive accessories at WeatherTech.com or call one 800 carmats WeatherTech.com, proudly made in America.
2: Maurice Allen, 2015-2016 European long drive tour champion, 2017 world number one.
0: Me personally, I keep my game face on me all the time.
2: Especially coming out of the bunker, leaving the range, or even leaving the course. What's your story? Go to gamefacegrooming.com for all your athletic facial wipes
0: and body cleansing needs the morning after craziest stories uh we've we've ever seen guy walking around a soccer uh, soccer pitch uh, with a razor blade cutting up the other team like how did he not cut himself up with it dude uh, at some point it's, it's freaky man yeah yeah you look at it, he's just hitting people in the ass it's like what, what dude what are you doing he's a psychopath yeah yeah that's yeah. That, that's what he's doing he's clearly uh he's clearly an insane weekdays 9 a.m eastern on fntsy radio and on your popular podcast providers.
2: All right, we're back. Catch the Going for the Green podcast each week on the Fantasy Sports Radio. Network as the Daily Roto crew breaks down the upcoming PGA tournament from a fantasy perspective. Going for the Green talks course history, PGA betting, one and done, fantasy picks, and much more. Separate yourself from the field and go for the green with Daily Roto this fantasy golf season on Audio Boom, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and on your favorite podcast provider. Speaking of golf, Ronus. Jason Day withdrew from the... uh, I saw that. I was actually going to
1: ask you if you had him on your team. Yes, yes, yes. You did? How much? How how much uh, percent-wise did you invest in him? Uh,
2: Out of 15 teams, I Mm -hmm. think he was on four.
1: Oh, okay. Not terrible, but yeah, it does suck.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's know?
1: Did you know he was hurt?
2: No, nothing. I mean, so all I knew last night was Matsuyama withdrew from the Pro-Am which meant maybe he had a sniffle, who knows. So I dropped a bunch of my teams. So I had him on like four or five teams. I brought him back to two, thinking, all right, let me just keep him out there just in case. Day, the only reason I was going to fade him was because Jeff Burgesson said he didn't like him. So I was like, all right, I trust Jeff. If Jeff says no, so I scaled. I had Jason Day like on five or six teams, and I scaled him back. But now all that money is like literally flushed in the toilet.
1: Yeah, I get, you know, that's the one thing with DFS, you know, that this can happen where NBA last minute scratch. If you have the lineup block golf, plenty of times you see guys withdraw early. So, you know, you just hope at the end that you're more on the positive side of these things than the lower end. At least you didn't have them on 12 teams.
2: Right. Well, and sometimes you do that. I mean, I'm starting to feel that way. Like when I do DFS, Adam, that I tend to start to go more all in on a guy. Like I have a core group of maybe four guys and I rotate other guys around that. Like in baseball this year, I'll have one stack and then I'll rack, I'll move other stacks around that. But if the one guy gets hurt, the night's over. It's done. I will,
1: I will say this, and it's been hard for me to do, but you have to do it. If you're playing tournaments and there's great chalk that for cheap, don't go all in. You can have some exposure to it because it
2: you have but, to fade it, yeah
1: yeah like so like to uh not last night I think a couple nights ago, Alex Line was like just chalk. He was eleven bucks on Yahoo. The minimum was ten. I put him in all my lineups and he flopped. It's so stupid. I mean, I know he's cheap, but you you can't put him in every lineup. You gotta go. You know, if you you got four, put him in two and go pivot to somewhere else because when they flops at fifty percent ownership. And you have a part of it, you're in trouble. So it's something that sometimes can be difficult, but you have to diversify and go in a different direction, especially in a tournament. And there are going to be times when you're wrong and the 50% chalk hits big time, you say, okay, whatever. But more often than not, if you pivot in another direction and you go off the chalk and the chalk uh, fails, you're in good shape. So you got to learn how to do that. And sometimes it can be difficult because, oh, $11, he's coming off a game where he had 45 points, i got to get him in there. The matchup's great. There's a reason why those guys are cheap and why they don't always come through.
2: No, I know. And Chuck, Chuck kills at him. It does. It, it, so I know, well, just, I'll use this in baseball terms. There's part of me that nights at Scherzer and Kershaw play, that what I, all I want to play that night is to stack against them. Because I know that the, not, 70% of people will be playing them. Right. So immediately, if I go against them, I'm already and they, and they let up six runs, which is very rare. I get that; it's very rare. But if it happens, I have a great chance of winning a lot of money that night.
1: Yeah, I mean, you do know that there's a good chance too that uh, Kershaw shuts those guys down and you're screwed. But right. the one, the few times that season, even a guy like Scherzer, we have, like I said, we've seen him give up home runs. You know, he gives up you know three home runs in a game and one's a two run shot. And he's heavily owned, and maybe only has eight Ks, and you have one or two of the guys that homers, then you know you're uh, ahead of the field. So
2: I find on those Scherzer, Kershaw nights, I don't play them. The only thing that I'll do that night is do a contrarian stack against them or some other crazy stack because you have to differentiate, and I think that's the big thing in in, in DFS that people don't. Re- realize when you go online and you look at the initial salaries of a player, the guy that that sparks your interest first sparks everybody's interest first.
1: Oh, yeah, for sure. And, uh, you know, certain times, depending on the slate, how many teams the ownership might be lower than you think. But, you know, for East pitchers, we know they're always going to be highly owned. So if you can find someone in the mid-tier that people are sleeping on that you know is in a good matchup and can perform – uh, then you go in that direction and there's a good chance that you know you uh, can be ahead of the field.
2: There was an interesting thing that um, I'm I'm gonna screw this up, but maybe I won't here. It's it's people look at the the percentage numbers to see how you're doing. So I'm looking at my one of my golf lineups here. 25%, 14%, 9, 10, 3, and nine. Right? you want to find guys who are not who are less than 10% owned. You want to find three or four of those cheap guys because that's the only way that you're going to differentiate. So when I look at this lineup, everybody was in on the 24% guy. the four t- And then the other ones were, were better, but you have to stay away from them. So I think the number was, like, if your percentage is over, let's say, 70%, you're too high.
1: Yeah, for a tournament, especially a large field tournament, that's definitely true, and I've seen it. I always look at, like, the top lineup that wins – you know the big money in, in basketball every night and a lot of times it's four percent, three percent, you know, seven percent, and it's like and you always say too, you know what, that wasn't a bad play. Like I'll look at last night's uh six point six percent, eight point three percent. There was a forty six point six percent. So good chalk, one point five percent, nineteen point who was the one point five uh Damian Dotson of the Knicks.
2: There you go.
1: Well and the Knicks but the Knicks are a team right now. It's like their rotation is so messed up. You don't know who's going to play on a given night because they're tanking, but he was cheap, and it was Phoenix. Good matchup. Kevin Love, 19.3. Porter, 7.4. 0.7% and 2.4%. You Who was 0.7? Uh, Jared Allen of the Nets. What he do? He had 33.7. <laughs> the thing is, though, is that center is so loaded on many slates and Yahoo. You want to play two centers in the utility, and everyone was looking at LaMarcus Aldridge last night, Alex Lent, Dwight Powell. So, Jared Allen was going to garner no ownership, and you know you rolled with him, he, and clearly he was low owned. Even Larry Dance, who actually our optimizer was spitting out Larry Nance last night, 2.4% owned, and he had 425 That's
2: amazing. When, you, when an optimizer is spitting out a guy at 2.4% owned, you can't ask for better than that. Seriously, you can't.
1: Yeah, so that's the thing. I think if you, especially on a site like Yahoo, where it plays more to using two centers, if you can find that low owned center that goes off, Put you in good shape, but just right there, I mean, I just gave you uh, only two guys in the winning lineup that finished first that had more than 10% ownership.
2: You know, I give credit to people like Steve Renner, because Steve Renner is very contrarian. His hockey lineups, if you check them out at scoutdfs.com, super contrarian, super contrarian.
1: And look, he's not going to win every night, but we just talked about him two weeks ago winning 36K, was it? I think? Yep. 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 So there you go. I mean if you're playing at those tournaments, all it takes is one big hit for you to come ahead for the year. And then maybe you, a couple other finish the top 10, top 15. But you have to understand that if you're playing in those large field tournaments, you're just not going to win all the time. You'll see screenshots from people, but they're not sending you the screenshots when they lost 5, 6K that night. They're not putting that up.
2: No, check it out, guys, scoutdfs.com, scoutdfs.com. Our MLB DFS package is uh, going up on March 17th, but right now it's $110. It's $110, and I think Chris Rose does a great job too, Ronas. I think, you know, it's, if if you are contrarian, you may lose six nights a week, but one night you got a real shot to win big money.
1: Yeah, Chris, Chris had a very good year in baseball. I think he made the live finals for FanDuel. And we've done well in basketball. I had him on a couple times during the show. So, yeah, I mean, you check out their stuff. And I always uh, glance at his picks when he does a write-up. And, yeah, he does tend to go in a contrary direction. But, you know, you, you got to understand you just, you're not going to win every night. It's not easy. It's tournaments. And when you have these low on plays, they're not always going to go off. So you might have a guy at 3%. And maybe he doesn't have a good night. So you kind of have to understand that and know that there's going to be a lot of ups and downs if you play DFS consistently.
2: I mean, there is. And I think especially in baseball, there's there's days with two slates. I mean, that's always brutal, the day slate and the night slate. I don't like playing the day slate, Adam, for sure. I need more time to like get my lineups in order. But... I, I think that the, I want to concentrate this year on being as contrarian as possible. And maybe that means I lose. I, I get that. But I think when I, if I'm too chalky and lose, that's even worse.
1: Yeah, because then you're like, oh, why did I do this? I knew they were going to be highly owned. Why did I waste my money? I should have went different. So, And it's always good to study the winning lineups so the ones near the top, and try and figure out, okay, what did they see that I didn't and learn from that? I think that's a, a very good exercise to do.
2: No, I do I literally do that every night. And and the worst part and, and sometimes that makes that actually pisses me off more Right. Because, because I look at and I go I could have had that. I like those guys.
1: There was night there's been nights where I looked at the winning lineup and I had maybe we had the same lineup except two different players. And it's just like, oh man, so basically we had six players the same, two different and it's like, okay, why didn't I do this? Or I'll see the winning lineup and I'll be like, well, I had all those players, but unfortunately they weren't in the same
2: lineup. <laughs> And there's well, that's the worst you- That's the worst when you have the right. guys, but you're, they're not together, right? But go- golf, is, uh, golf is worse because there's only six guys. You're like, how hard is it to get six guys to make the cut?
1: Well, golf is such a difficult sport. There's so many, and I don't know it as well as you do, but I do know it's a very mental grinding, the course. There's just so many things that go into it. And just, just judging from people that talk about it and play, it's really difficult to predict on a given week.
2: Well, golf is, is, is frustrating because a guy could have a good round and then all of a sudden he hits one bad shot and then all of a sudden he gets mental and right. like, or, or he misses a putt and then it, all of it, a sudden misses. Then now now he triple bogeys a hole. You're like, seriously? So the guy went from minus one to plus three on one hole. You're like, how is that possible?
1: That's actually kind of similar to pitching in baseball. You could see a guy cruising through four innings. He's rolling yeah. and all of a sudden in the fifth, he walks the leadoff guy. He starts yeah. to think. There's a stolen base. He loses concentration. Another guy gets a, a bloop single, a ball hits the bag, next pitch home run, and all of a sudden he's down 4 nothing after dominating the first three innings. Right. But he had a no-hitter.
2: <laughs> right. That was, that was, that was, remember El-Sid Fernandez, best six-inning yes. pitcher in the history of baseball? The seventh yeah. inning, man. That guy got lit up. But here's a question for you in, in baseball for DFS purposes. Let's say there's a crappy pitcher, just the guy stinks do you always stack against him? Because sometimes I worry that batter's only going to get like one at bat against this guy, and then he's going to be pulled out of the game after letting up like four runs in the first inning.
1: Mm, It depends on the situation, but no, I'm not afraid of that. You know, they should get at least two at-bats, and with the way bullpens are built right now in baseball, unless it's like the Yankees, most bullpens are terrible, so that actually might work out to your advantage because if he does leave in the third, fourth inning, uh, the team is likely to bring in the mop-up guy who on most occasions for most teams is garbage too.
2: Now, let me ask you, here's another one. Let's say Steve Pierce is playing against a, a lefty, right? He's playing against J.A. Happ. And you want to play Pierce. But the Yankee bullpen, let's say, doesn't have a lot of lefties. Do you not play Pierce because you figure if Happ gets pulled out, then Pierce gets pulled, and he only gets two at-bats in that game? That's
1: always the concern with, a, with those type type of players because you okay. know that they might only get two at-bats, maybe three. So you really have to take that and understand that there's risk that they get pulled out, and you have to say, okay, can I live with two at-bats? I mean, maybe it's a home run and a double. That's usually good enough, but obviously you want to have as many at-bats as possible, so it does make it pretty dicey. For a guy like Pierce, and especially with the Yankees bullpen, with a lot of hard-throwing right-handers, good chance he's getting pinch-hit. So. Right,
2: I don't, I don't think about that enough. I'm, I'm thinking, I'm very, I'm thinking very clearly now. But like during the season when I'll play DFS, I will forget that. I will forget.
1: Put a, a note right now on your wall, Steve Pierce.
2: <laughs> Take him bullpen. Out. <laughs> no, but it's true though, right? Because certain guys like I, I Kiki Hernandez for the for the Dodgers. Yes, love he's playing a good him one. against a lefty. Yeah minute he sees a righty, oh, it's out. you got you to bench that guy. And you know what the thing
1: is, too? Those guys are played pretty heavily, too, because everyone knows, oh, Steve Pierce against the lefty, oh, Keke Hernandez against the lefty. So they're going to get high ownership, especially when they're cheap.
2: Right. And, and then those become chalky plays. I can't play them this year.
1: Yeah, hopefully, you know, you can get an idea on the slate. You know, there might be some weeks where they do go a, a little under but there are nights where you know, okay, everyone's playing this guy. I got to go in a different direction.
2: Well, baseball is frustrating to me because I'll have a stack, you know, the three, four, five, six stack, and then all of a sudden the stack that wins is the 8-9-1. I'm like, how is that possible? How would the uh, Christian Vasquez stack for the Red Sox pay off? I, isn't that just multiple entries at that point?
1: I would think so. If you have one entry— you're not stacking eight, nine, one unless you have like this ultimate great data that shows, you know, Vasquez, you know, just as great against ninety-seven mile per hour fastballs and you know the nine hitter, depending on who it is. Like, it, yeah, if you're doing one entry, no. If you have 150, sure, you can get crazy and contrarian like that because it's just one entry, and you're like, ah, if it doesn't work out, sure, all right, I got a bunch of others, and if it does, boom, no one else is gonna have it.
2: You know, it's so funny is that I'm out of baseball DFS mode, but in another month, I'll be very in it. And then by like June, I'll be done with it because I'll be so frustrated with it. I'll be waiting for football footballers.
1: Yeah, I think some people get into that habit, but uh, it's a grind. There are some people that play every DFS sport every
2: day and rely on
1: it uh, for
2: their living. Are you getting frustrated with, with basketball right now because of all the things like the Knicks tanking and all these things happening? Or are you still finding you have enjoyment from it?
1: No, I still have enjoyment. We haven't seen too many late scratches. For example, yesterday we knew Kyrie Irving was out earlier in the day. So it hasn't been too bad. The Knicks have generally been a team I've stayed away from just because their rotation has just been so bad. I was playing Mitchell Robinson a lot, but DeAndre Jordan came back, started, and Robinson saw his minutes cut and his salary has gone up a lot. So I was benefiting from Robinson for a while, but now I've got backed off. The Nets are another team that I've kind of stayed away from. They have a very deep rotation. D'Angelo Russell's probably the one guy because he will be low-owned and he's capable of going off. But as we saw yesterday, it was Spencer Dinwiddie who had the big game. And, you know, next game it could be Someone else. So there are certain teams that you know that you have to be careful of. I mean, but some of these tanking teams are actually playing well. The Suns have beat the Bucks the other night. This is a I they're saw the only, that. They're the only team to beat the Bucks twice this year. The Pelicans have played well. They lost to Utah last night, but they beat Utah in Utah the other night. The Bulls have played well. They beat the Sixers last night and ruined the parlay. I need the Sixers to win, and I was going to cash a three-team parlay, and they lose by one. Zach Levine gets to the basket with ease, and they win 108-107. They should be losing games. Uh, the Knicks were actually playing well for a while, so a lot of the, and Atlanta's been playing very well. So a lot of these teams near the bottom have actually been playing well lately. They haven't. Trey Young, culture. Trey
2: Young has played great recently.
1: Yeah, the last two three games he's tailed off, but that four overtime game and Ooh. games before that. Yeah, I was using him in DFS. I did not go to him last night because the price has risen. But yeah, he's played very well down the stretch. Uh, Atlanta's been a tough out.
2: I like John Collins too, man. He's a good player.
1: Yeah, he returned. He missed a few games with illness. He came back last night. The problem with him is it's really a lot of points and rebounds. He doesn't give you enough in the other categories.
2: I'm just talking about in general, like, as, as I think Atlanta's a little closer to being good than, than people think.
1: Well, I think Trey Young looks like he's the real deal. I think a lot of people thought it was a lock that Luka Doncic was going to win rookie of the year, and he probably still will, but I think Trey Young has made it an interesting conversation.
2: No, I agree with that. I think at one point, you're like, that was the dumbest trade in the history. And now you're like, all right, that trade is pretty even now. I'm okay either way, right? He's finding his own shot.
1: Yeah, I think Doncic is better, though. Doncic is really good, man.
2: <laughs> He's going to be a really good player, especially when he plays with uh, Por- Porzingis. Oh, man, that's going to be a tough team to watch.
1: Yeah, Porzingis can get on the court. But uh, that will be fun if they ever uh, are able to do that.
2: All right, who do you have in our number two?
1: Uh, I got Sean Childs coming up. We'll talk to him for two segments since he was the AL and NL auction in labor over the weekend. We'll have him uh, talk about each one and how he loves the stars and scrubs
2: format. He does. That's for sure. All right, guys, this is Dr. Roto saying be well and take care. Keep it right here for another hour. Scal Fantasy Sports will return right after
0: this.